0: This is Audio Gyan, and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. Frank Owen Gere, a Canadian-born American architect and designer, once said, architecture should speak of its time and place, but yearn for timelessness. How can we long for timelessness in architecture if the place itself keeps changing? Let's explore more about architecture and history in this three-part series called An Insert into the History. This series is brought to you by The Drawing Board, with whom I had partnered last year. The Drawing Board is an international architecture platform based in India, where students can test their understanding and skills in shaping the way communities live and thrive while preserving local heritage. The drawing board has been actively running architecture competition for undergraduate students since 2016. It was conceptualized by Mindspace Architects and Rohan Builders. This year, the program is to redesign the existing Badami Archaeological Museum in Karnataka. Submission deadline is 9th October 2023. More details in the show notes and thedrawingboard.in. In this second episode, an insert into the history, which is also the theme of the competition. I have Professor Durganan Balsavar with us. I interviewed him back in the episode 249 in the last year's The Drawing Board theme of Designing the Memorial for Charles Korea. We spoke about intangible architecture. A quick introduction about Professor Balsavar. He has been a faculty for Indian Studios of Bali, Helsinki School of Architecture and involved in diverse cultural contexts, the Chandigarh Lab, I U A V Venice, Auckland, Indonesia, Nepal. He founded Artist Roots Collaborative, which has been involved in uh, environment-appropriate architecture as a community participatory process. More about him in the show notes. Thank you, Professor Balsawar, for giving your time. Uh, It's a great pleasure to have you back on AudioGAN. And as I said in the introduction, we'll be discussing about the main theme of the competition and insert into the history in the context of Badami architecture, but broadly also covering a bit about alternate histories, uh, which I'm particularly curious about. So why don't we sort of set the ball rolling by giving a larger context that if we look at Indian history and culture, how can one incorporate architectural elements that reflect the diverse narrative that the country has, and especially uh, in a project like designing a museum, right? If if one has to sort of systematically think about it, what could be the key principles on which this can be thought? I think
1: that's a uh, thank you first for the invitation and opportunity to be on this platform today and dialogue. Always a pleasure dialoguing with you we have done it in the past. Yeah, it's a and, pleasure. Uh, and the idea, I think this idea of history is coming back again in various ways for various reasons. And uh, <clears throat> maybe in, In this one hour, briefly, we can touch upon a few, though there would be many other reasons also. And I was, I'll go back to a recent two or three weeks ago, I was, and I just came back yesterday. Uh, I was in a school of architecture in LA, and uh, where a similar situation came in the context of technologies which are rapidly changing our society. And when technologies rapidly change, I think this idea of history, we need to go back and look at in terms of what does it mean to us? Is it relevant? Is it not relevant? Uh, In what way is it relevant? And I think those are the questions that this uh, new initiative, or I don't call it competition, what Mindspace and Moe have done. It's really an initiative. It's an imagination, you know. Mm -hmm competition I see more accidental or incidental to a larger idea of thinking about something, you know, mm. and so in this addition, uh, what has happened and which is very interesting is that it is providing an opportunity to re-examine what do we mean by a museum and um, because our notion of history itself is being questioned. So, traditionally, museum has meant something of the past. Traditionally, museum has meant you collect some sculptures and artifacts and display it in some way. You know, Those are traditional, conventional ways. But I think today, with the kind of technologies and many of them which uh, I was fortunate to even be invited to the Hollywood studios. And I was looking at some of the latest technologies there, the metaverse, the augmented reality. And then you realize that we have come to a moment where <clears throat> this compartmentalization that we have done seems to be dissipated. And uh, so we have compartmentalized something of the past, compartmentalized something of the future. Now, the what I've always found fascinating about the Indian subcontinent, it may be <clears throat> existing in other places also. But in the Indian subcontinent where I'm more familiar, I find that we don't have that kind of a concept of history as past.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: But we keep looking at history as past. For us, these are living histories. So in the morning, I can meet somebody from the 4th century. Uh, I can have lunch with somebody from the 12th century. And uh, I can have dinner with someone who's talking 50 years later. So, really, this happens in a single day. But because we compartmentalize the mind and don't look at experience, uh, we think we are now on this date, you know, whichever the date this is, some 25th or whatever. And whatever is past of it, we put it as history as if it's past. It is not past, it's living right now. It's living right now. And that livingness, means that our relationship to history cannot be past, present, future. It cannot be. These are all coexisting. They are all simultaneously living, not only with another person meeting, but I would say each identity itself is carrying this uh, multiplicity. Mm. Now, from a modern idea, we may call this confusion. We may call this contradiction. We call this lack of clarity. We give all negative terms. But when I was in LA this time, and I was looking at it, I said we have just simply given negative terms because we have put history in something as the past
2: Hmm.
1: without recognizing that it is still relevant today. Hmm. So everything doesn't mean that if, let's say if a new iPhone came and I didn't, let's say, now this is more for an argument. I didn't need those new features that came. You know, my present iPhone doesn't become outdated and past because I needed for a certain set of things which it's fulfilling more than required. In fact, the present one itself I have not fully uh, understood it, and they brought something new, and then they say that so which makes me look past. Now, these kind of psychological issues uh, need a more scientific and empirical, calm observation. And I think a competition like this that talks of an archaeological museum provides an opportunity now for young architects and students to re-examine this kind of history which exists probably only in, I don't say only because I'm sure if we go to other places, it will be there, but definitely exists in India where we need to be a little more a uh, broader perspective have a little more broader perspective to say three hundred b c exists even today. If mm-hmm. I go into a temple or a shrine and I pray that is three hundred b c that is three thousand b c um <clears throat> so that coexists whereas in in very very developed societies, if there is something like that, uh I would say that this idea of faith is questioned. Faith is seen as superstition. Faith is seen as... But that came from a certain uh, privileging of the word over action. It came over certain notions of what we thought was science. And today, scientists itself are coming to say that maybe life is an illusion. So Hmm. I think we are at a very interesting point in history. Also an extremely challenging point from the point of view of artificial intelligence. Uh, from a point of view of understanding what is this human being and from a point of view that we have just come out of of an experience of three years of a pandemic which never happened on the planet before. So I think in that context, if we start looking at what is a museum first and then what do we mean by archaeology? So I have created in LA now, I created a new term which the architects are discussing and liked it. I said, let's discuss the archaeology of the future. You know, mm. let's not discuss the archaeology of the past. And uh, they liked it because I said, then, then we are really going to look at how can we make metaverse and AI more meaningful. Otherwise, it's just the technology takes over and then we are playing with the technology. Then how that technology or software is programmed generates the product. So I think that aspect needs to be re-examined. Now, whether it will or will not are the forces of what's happening too strong for any discussion like this. That's a separate story. Hmm. But one still has the mind space to imagine it or mind space to kind of look at it. So I think this is more how I would look at uh, the idea of history as something very fluid Something, so it's not fact. the fact and the interpretation changes. Fact is, this is a temple, or this is made in stone. that's all. beyond that, if we say it has this interpretation and this king did this, and then from that inscription, this has happened, those are all interpretations which are which can be revisited and may change. you know, For instance, now in South India, we have found Kiladi. Uh, the whole history of India may change if we excavate it further. So otherwise, we have all this uh, notion that it was Moindar, it was Lothal, they came in a certain. Now everything changes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they have found the high highest number of Roman coins close to my home on the planet. So imagine that they are finding close to my home in <clears throat> in Angal and in this region roman coins more than even what are found in italy uh, it it has a certain uh, new implication but in our history we are never discussing that you know mm-hmm. so the fact that the greeks the romans the egyptians i would i'm extending it as a speculation the chinese were all here more than 3000 4000 years ago Uh, Itself means what is a traditional culture. For instance, they tell me Madurai, traditional Madurai house or traditional. The wood came from Burma and China, like globalization today. How did it become traditional? So we start drawing regions as if something is traditional. We draw regions as if something was created in itself. Actually, everything on this planet has got created out of cultural dialogue. It has got created out of one zone, talking to another zone, talking to another zone. That stitching has created. So globalization did not happen in 1990. It happened 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But we talk globalization as if it happened 1990, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so I think these are the areas which I would look forward if the young architects or students can engage with. Not just designing some space and saying these are the artifacts kept there. You go and have a look and there's a large LED screen which plays something and you listen to something. I mean, that's good if it is done, but that's only a starting point. There are much Mm -hmm. more that needs to do. And I think this, the site chosen by architect Moe and his team and uh, the program that they've evolved when they they spoke to me, I just thought was fascinating because... This is what it opens. This is just one of the ideas. I'm I'm sure the other jurors and others will have many more ideas. Mm-hmm. But from my point, I saw this as one of the promise of this kind of a competition.
0: Great, great. So can we safely say that the key principle will be just embracing the continuum? Uh just it's 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 a continuum, and time can be one axis to look at how this can be designed or how to think about museums in general uh, is that safe to say yes in i would
1: i would concur with that in principle mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it is about recognizing a continuum mm-hmm. but i may problematize or complicate it a little more by saying mm-hmm. that that continuum doesn't have a pattern mm-hmm. the continuum Because when we use the word continuum, again it goes to history, it goes to, you know, 2nd BC and certain paths that evolved. But let's say those paths were not there. Something random happened and something else came in and then something else again random happened. So even assessing the continuum becomes a little complex. We can make a continuum in time. We can say fifth century this happened, seventh century this happened. Then it's there's a continuum. Hmm. But in terms of ideas, there's no continuum.
0: But um, wouldn't it be too abstract to to comprehend then? Like for the end user, for the end visitor, for the architect, like it will be too abstract, right? And or, or is that fine? See, there. Are, this was uh, I am actually
1: taking the conversation to exactly what. I had raised in L.A. right now in those schools. What is tending to happen is, let's say, and this is not to evaluate right and wrong. I'm just saying. What is technology doing right now? So somebody, there was one student who presented on memory. And uh, he presented on human memory and computer memory and metaverse memory. Now, in my opinion, the word memory should not be used in relationship to a computer or metaverse at all. Why? Mm. Now, let me, I'm questioning fundamentally, why? Mm. I'm putting something in a box. Yeah, so I called a folder, I put it in a box. You know, I open it, I open this folder, a word doc after three days, it has not changed, still the same. Mm. That's not memory. That is storage. Now, mm-hmm. if we look at human memory, human memory doesn't do that. It changes. I forget something. I remember something in another way. So, memory is never static. But maybe some uncle says, you know, when you were in third standard, you shouted because it was dark. Now, you don't remember it. Some uncle has told you, That goes as a static memory because you don't remember it as an active memory. Mm. So, we will remember, oh, that uncle said this. Oh, it Mm -hmm. must have happened. And then slowly I start believing it. It becomes part of a static memory. And then I build up a continuum of events which may not have happened that Mm way. So, the dynamism of human memory is really the freedom of our human life. Versus fact. So, fact is, need not be so abstract. So, the museum part can have a sculpture, can have some artifact, can have some what. Those are the facts. That doesn't become abstract. That gives a grounding. That gives a reference. But the reality to make the entire reality reduced to some small facts is the issue. Because the other day we were taken to an observatory. You know that, and so I stood there, and we were just looking into the cosmos, we're looking into the sky, we're looking at various paths. Then you realize uh, you become insignificant.
2: <laughs>
1: and uh, just 10 minutes before the manner in which you reached there, what you did, that ticket, this, that whole sequence was so significant. And 10 minutes later, you look into this vast cosmos. They're talking some billion light years away. They're talking this. Uh, then you realize, and they show, you know, hardly you can see the planet Earth in that whole thing. Then imagine in that, if you have to see yourself in there, It's impossible. But because the center of those emotions are where I am, it became so serious for me. But in the larger context, that history may be even negligible, may be insignificant, you know. Uh, it's not really insignificant. I am just bringing relative terms to re-examine the abstract and the real, you know, or what we are calling real. So, of course, the fact that there is, let's say, the quality of sculpture there or the discovery of structure in Badami, that's real. I won't abstract it, you know, and when we say it is real, you it is mesmerizing to see that they imagined carving out of a rock, which means they didn't build, they subtracted, they didn't build. If we think of house or construction, we think something is being built. You take a stone, place another stone, you know, we think of addition and building. Addition. Hmm. Now imagine monolith rock-cut caves on the surface of the cave is these sculptures which have all certain meanings, whether we agree with those meanings or not is separate, they have certain cultural meanings and those meanings meant that that sculpture if it had to have 15 mudras, you know like the Shiva sculpture which has 10 or 15 mudras, each mudra is conveying Something that had to be conveyed to the pilgrim who comes there. Now, in that act of making it, even if one hand is carved wrongly or differently from what they wanted, that cave needs to be abandoned. There is no correction to a rock cut monolith. So imagine the kind of dedication, imagine. The kind of spirit with which a construction is being done, and then you begin to see uh, where do we stand in front of something like that? Is that past? Uh, can we do it today or tomorrow? Um, can LNT or you know I'm not I shouldn't take names of any, but can the best technological company come now and man made carve it and show it to us? Or do we have to scan and do a CNC cutting and all those things? Okay, fine. But I'm just saying that this was man-made or human-made. You know, they were carving it. It had to be precise. And when one stands there and observes that sculpture, one realizes that this is medicinal. Now, this is medicinal because... Unless one had a deeper understanding of the human body, the human mind, the organs, you cannot carve that. So, it is medicine. There is a source of Ayurveda and understanding of the medicinal value of plants also versus the human being. Then you have a cosmic ocean done there, which means they are really trying to search for making sense of the world around us. It is not some carving in They are trying to, so it becomes a laboratory. It becomes an experiential laboratory of understanding all the elements which have come on this planet in a way that even today we don't know how it has come. Where has water come from? Uh, But that water is there. Uh, Where did this rock come from? Where did the human material come from? So how does one excavate or understand these relationships within that topography within cycles of rain within cycles of how human beings live and then say we need to see how life becomes meaningful so that that archaeological museum then has to as a very complex task on and i don't want to complicate it for the students or the Uh, young architects but I'm just saying that that is the possibility Hmm. that there is no boundary now that is the possibility so at Hmm. one level yeah at one level just to bring the pragmatic I don't want to be confused I am not sure how to handle the abstract or the cosmos so fine there can be different artifacts I mean this is in the 5th century in the 7th century this is the carving done this is the that itself is incredible But if we get down to the root and we get down to what this is, because each time I go to the Badami site, I am amazed at the depth of thinking. I am amazed at how they have understood the relationship of water and a human settlement. Then, at that time, and how they have understood the strategic location of where to situate a town. Why not 20 meters away? Why not 400 meters away? Why there? And those are all coming from something incidental like the rock outcrop becoming part supporting the fort. At the same time, because the rock and the hill create a sense of awe, it can become a shrine. So, there are multiple meanings hidden in a single settlement, you know. And it is not just rock cut or it is not just temple. It is also strategic that if someone is to invade, they need to know how to support it without constructing. So it's sustainability. You don't have to build a huge fort all around and, you know, all that kind of a thing. Because now the rock outcrop, which is existing, is, is also looking at notion of defense. It's also looking at trade in terms of where the trade route is, which means... At various levels, this <coughs> settlement works. Regional level, interrelationship to Tamil Nadu and Maharashtra. Uh, it, so it's not just that lake. And then it gets embedded in mythologies. Hmm. Where the problem comes is when we make a mythology literal and see as if it was happening in my apartment. Then we say, how can you know such a mythology work? Mythologies are meant to be kept abstract, meant to keep floating, not made literal as if it was my neighbor and working in my apartment. The minute we do it, there will be a contradiction. And that is the power of a mythology that it resists the literal. Hmm. But today, because we want the literal, because technology is driving us towards the literal, we take a mythology and make it literal, you know, as if. That Sant was my neighbor. And then there was two demons who were also my on the first floor. Could be also. But all this, what will happen is it will become, it won't work. Mm. But if it is kept at the level of, let's say, certain patterns in nature, hidden patterns in nature, uh, being personified in the mythology, <clears throat> and that hidden pattern becoming the source of urban planning then I think we will understand the value of badam you know uh, otherwise we are going to go there and see factually 6th century this person attacked that person came back this one I am not saying there is anything wrong in it that is one layer very important layer but and perhaps the first layer that, first layer but beneath that layer the next layer of observation on how it was constructed, how it was imagined, why it was constructed that way with multiple possibilities. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that that history didn't have contradiction, that history didn't have caste system, that history didn't have disparity, that history didn't have war. It had all this. It had disease, everything. Because that's the human condition. So within that human condition, so one is not keeping... That human condition aside to glorify the past when we are not doing that. We'll look at that also. But besides that, I think for more so for designers or architects or any creative philosopher, I think trying to delve into what are the real possibilities of enrichment and inhabitation. I think that is what is the source of a project like this. And uh, from the context, from the water, from the way in which construction has happened, materiality, the crafts that the communities are uh, evoking, I think this combination provides many, many, many possibilities to the students who wish to take on this project. So it is not a limiting project. It is really, then one each one may choose, you know, each one may choose. It's not that everything has to be incorporated within that museum. But it is a, at one level appears very defined,
0: at another level is actually full of possibilities. This is how I see this. Yeah, it's so amazing. In fact, I remember two things. One, I'll just have a random plug. Uh, Like, I I remember interviewing Anupama Hoskare, who's a, Uh, And uh, in our conversation, I said that in India, we really don't have as uh, many museums as probably the West has. Uh, Now, yeah, I'm generalizing too much, but generally the density of museums is quite different to which he said, uh, to which he said, very beautiful, which I still remember is that we are a living museum. There is, we really are not time bound as to oh this was the past this was the present we are we are living with Kabir we are living with Tukaram we are living with these people all day Shivaji is everywhere so there's no boundary as such so I remember that and the last thing which you mentioned about possibilities of designing something I think there's a very beautiful talk by Shekhar Kapoor uh, on, uh, on TED I believe and he mentioned that when you're making a film it's It's obviously economical, but it's political. It's psychological. It's there are many different facets uh, while you're creating something, right? So, uh, will you will you like? I don't want to give away too much, but will you be judging on how interesting the new insight is? Like as we said, the facts, the, the the topology, and those can be the first layer of understanding. But will there be deeper layers of understanding? Which will probably give more weightage. Is there anything which is more tactical I question? The, but- <clears throat> no, I think the
1: issue of weightage and all that will come from uh, the kind of collaboration and communication that we have in the presentations and with the jury. You know, okay. We're not judging it because... If we prejudge, it will mean that we know all solutions possible on this Mm site, which we don't. So, um, there would be certain responses which may surprise us completely, you know, and that becomes the source to reflect back on how an assessment is being made, you know, Mm -hmm. because... And even that assessment is temporary. That assessment is not permanent. Yeah. So, but for the sake of time, there is a competition. So, assessment is being made, but it's temporary because we, it's ourselves may design a building and one year later feel I could have improved and done this. Hmm. Two years later, feel no, it was the right solution. It came out so well. So, assessment itself like history is very fluid. Hmm. But Nonetheless, there are certain parameters of how one has understood topography, how one has respected the river, how one has understood the community. Uh, there's climate change. So how is one responding to climate change and sustainability mm-hmm. without overdoing also, you know? So how does one do it in a more like if if one looks at the existing uh, precinct of Badami itself, you find... That a single design gesture is addressing multiple aspects. You know, mm. uh, what you mentioned about <clears throat> uh, filmmaker Shekhar Kapoor, I would have another interpretation. I've never heard him what he said. I feel political, economical, social, cultural don't exist. You're all one we together. Create, we create it. And we create it. And because we created, we struggle to sit and define and then say, what is the relationship between one, you know, Mm. it's like we have a last, vast landscape and then we build a drum and sit inside the drum. And that is called political. Somebody else goes and sits inside another drum and calls it social. Then we ask, how do we relate to one another? The drum itself we created in the first place, you know. So I think I do not try to look at those drums in the beginning. While it is necessary for conversation, in action, it inhibits and confuses. In action is always synthetic. It never in a drum. But we are acting in drums now in those syllables uh, for a certain comfort level. To feel that everything got integrated. So things which are uncomfortable, uncertain are kept outside the drum always never discussed. So, that's the problem I'm finding in a lot of dialogue and conversation that is happening nowadays, because within the drum, if I speak, everything looks harmonious, nice, then you wonder, why is the city so unbearable? Why is the traffic unbearable? If we had all the solutions with such a beautiful understanding of what a city is, where is it going wrong? So I think the silos created and then discussing an ideal situation within the silo uh, is is the root of a lot of the confusions in whether one is designing a museum or urban planning and, you know, because we talk beautiful city and we talk all these, but we don't look at the social condition. We don't look at can every citizen coming into the city buy a home. We don't ask that question, Uh, but we're talking beautiful city. So I think these are the contradictions. I won't say contradiction. These are the problems actually, you know, which, so I don't look at combining how political meets economic meets social. Of course, these are rigorous disciplines of study. We respect it. People do PhDs in it. There's deep research in it. We respect it. But let us also at the same time recognize it's our own creation. creation. For yeah it is a creation or a platform for us to be able to communicate but then the risk comes where the language becomes more important than the action when in reality language is a smaller subset to action you know language cannot address all aspects there are intangibles there are unknowns which our language finds difficult to even say or speak but if i Create the silo of language and then the political, social. Uh, One limits one's own life. And uh, I think this project tests that barrier. It tests it. How a student responds is really up to each student then. Or how even jury or other architects respond is up to each. But to me, I saw this as... So I didn't see this as a settlement of the past. Mm. Of course, it's in the 5th century or earlier or something. I saw it as a set of potential ideas for a city to be built tomorrow. And uh, so I think there are lots of other kind of learnings and lessons from it. Um, So I really would see it in that way. And that other thing on this living reality and living museum, I would fully agree with because... That's almost a similar tone in which I'm... That, But that doesn't mean we don't need a museum. Mm -hmm. So, though museum came from fossilizing the past as an institution. So, our culture rarely fossilized the past. Mm -hmm. So, the museum came with colonization. The museum came when the British were here because they saw something different. Today, we have adopted the museum, but probably... We're still uncomfortable on what is a museum, you know, in India. Then we say there are no museums because we feel why should there be a museum? Or if it is there, there's not enough effort put into it. So I think we're still in a way questioning that history culturally. Hmm. That we've not yet fully clarified. And at one level, I think it's the strength of the culture that we don't clarify this uh, compartmentalization but allow it to coexist and grow mm. so but the issue is how do we give reverence to it
2: mm. so
1: that we don't again make the same mistakes
0: that were made in history of dismissing yeah yeah
1: yeah of dismissing or don't make similar mistakes and you find that there's a such a wonderful whoever the architect was at badami taking decisions on how uh, artificial water lake has to be constructed so that everyone has water and it is cyclic. Now, these are eternal or these are really urban principles for any time. We cannot say 5th century.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, But many cities or new towns built today are having a water problem, are having a water shortage. So, I think These are the areas where a conversation should begin between if we are making a museum, you know, Mm. the museum should become an archive repository of human learning. So it is not just some artifact kept in history, but it is also the fact that how to live on this planet was sensed at that time with very rudimentary technology, no iPhone, no uh, internet, nothing. They were able to map the sun. They were able to map the roots. They were able to lay out a town. They were able to see that everyone gets water and food. And they were able to develop some of the best crafts and creativity. So I think that kind of challenge, how they did. And the structural understanding of rock uh, of as a material. You know? And then, of course, I think architect Mohe in his... Uh, introduction beautifully presents the experience of the walking, and I think that's another hmm. aspect. Uh, so there are several layers to you know, okay, okay, and okay. coexisting. So I yeah, think okay. your question or uh, the two incidents that you mentioned completely are in harmony or resonate with what this project is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, in fact, uh. Like, do you feel, I don't know, I'm a little digressing before we again come back to Badami. I've seen, like, as a culture, it's good that we are kind of comfortable with the past and the present and like just shuttling between. But um, we have certain notion of romanticizing the past, right? And you have, uh, you have a special interest in alternate histories. So I wanted to just understand that. If history is told by uh, rulers, then like how can one really keep going back in time, and how much can go someone go back in time to understand and then build a context around this museum or around this uh, architecture? You know, I
1: think that's a, that's a, both a significant question and a complex question. Uh, when I have discussed alternative histories, the reason that has been raised is is more so that an open mind is kept when engaging with
2: uh, a artifact of
1: of the past, if it is of the past, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so what happens is that even in Badami, one will look at it. There'll be Five historians giving five different interpretations to each structure, even today. So it is very complex to suggest whether this historian is more appropriate or that historian is more appropriate because they are also coming with their own understanding of the past, Hmm. their own context. So, in the absence of very clear recorded data, when there is an investigation happening. Of course, the investigation is scientific. The investigation is empirical. But it is still open to interpretation till something else gets found.
2: Hmm.
1: And that is why, like for instance, I was mentioning the discovery of Kiladi or in Tamil Nadu, the discovery of maybe uh, Roman coins in Tamil Nadu right now. Now, those discoveries make us recalibrate how we have understood history.
2: You know,
1: They make us recalibrate. So, while at one level, it is very factual, at another level, the degree or level to which we have information can change the entire interpretation of that very act. You know? So, <clears throat> because it's built on several speculations as mm. well. Mm. You know? The people don't exist. It could be a building in ruin. And from that, we are doing a reading. And any reading, as much as it may be accurate, has the risk of misreading also. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that is the only reason one calls for an alternate history. Also, the other point that you brought about, if it is about a perception, then The same history that was visualized by, a, let's say, a king and the family of a king would be very different from a history that was experienced by a
2: farmer. Uh, In terms of uh,
1: the same history will change now because one may have been more privileged, another may have been fighting for survival. In the same context, the same things are happening. But, so I generally say, when they say, let me describe this city. I say it's almost impossible to describe the city. Because if Mumbai has 24 million citizens, suppose, there are 24 million Mumbais. But we want to say one Mumbai. There can never be one Mumbai. Because what we are experiencing of the city, and I am saying this is what Mumbai is, is my perception may be shared by six friends. But it cannot be that 24 million are thinking about Mumbai in the same way or or know the city in the same way. So we can never know the city. But for the sake of finiteness, for the sake of anchor, for the sake of stability, we say, this is Mumbai. Then I know the familiarity of the road from the airport to my home and to a new restaurant or some. And that becomes the familiarity of how I describe Mumbai. You know. So this is how I would try to look at it. Because when we generate it in words, when we try to limit it, we reduce the the understanding of it. And then we call that history. You know,, um, but if it was layered, that means this history was understood from the point of view of a farm, was understood from the point of view of the dispossessed, was understood from the point of view of a ruler, from from a invader, from a someone who was victimized as you know colonized. I think all these histories start changing to give us a broader idea of what can history mean. So, it is not as simple as we want to make it appear. It, mm. At the same time, we cannot make it so complex that it doesn't allow any communication. You know, mm. In reality, it can get that complex that it can break down communication, which is happening in our present world today. Um, but I think that then starts not acknowledging the fact that There is a sense of community, there's a sense of interdependence, there's a sense of camaraderie, there's a sense of relationship through which certain ideas of existing on this planet evolve. Mm So, otherwise I can be a kingdom unto myself, sit and uh, rule myself and that's fine. But there is the need for collaboration, communication which generates a certain response which also enriches our identity and i think that is what reflects in Badami, right mm-hmm. that that kind of uh, <coughs> communion yeah,
0: yeah. but i i started off uh, with uh, frank Gehry and he spoke about timelessness right so like like then how do we arrive at timelessness in again in the same context because then i i, I don't know whether it will become too tactical in nature but something concrete has to be displayed at a particular time and location, right? So, like, what what can be that intangible, which creates the timelessness? Or is it tangible? Again, this
1: this question has various interpretations, because the word tangible, timeless itself can have several interpretations. (laughs) It's kind
0: of inception, like layers and layers.
1: (laughs) Yes, it can. But let's say to simplify it as an idea on uh, where this dialogue comes on something that is something that is now whether people want to agree or not is a separate issue but something that is deeper and constant and something that is ephemeral and keeps on changing
2: hmm.
1: so the, the desire for human timelessness has come from that desire. And that desire has come for timelessness, not from an idea of time. You know, in if one looks at, that's why we call it timeless. Now, if we look at, if we go to Varanasi, Varanasi is considered to be a city where time does not exist. Mm -hmm. only if time does not exist, can I enter the water and wash my sins? Because sins exist only in time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Imperfection exists only in time. So imagine, now this is, just imagine that they are conceiving of a city where there is no time. So they have created whether one agrees with it, you are within the religion, not within our separate issues. We are just looking at it almost with an anthropological sense. Mm. That there is a city where there is no time existing. And therefore, there is a deity called Kalabhairav, And who, some say he is the king of time. Okay, But actually, the writings show that that God doesn't exist in time at all. Hmm. So, which then means that if one moves towards understanding the meaning of something or the spirit of something, and even that spirit can be interpreted differently because our five senses are changing. But Hmm. let's assume that one is interpreting the spirit of something. Uh, For a simple thing, I ask several of my students, and this I've been asking now for the last 35 years of my Uh, teaching I ask my students if you go to an old Kerala home you know the Nalakat, or you go to an old heritage or old home dwelling in
2: the poles in Ahmedabad and you enter through that
1: semi-open space and you walk in at what point do you feel an element of surprise, and that you arrived in the home. Most of them say the open courtyard. Hmm. Okay, so they've come to the open courtyard. So there's an element of happiness, there's an element of celebration when you old Kerala home, you walk in the rooms, dark rooms, and suddenly you come into this courtyard. So I said now. Why is it that so many of us are celebrating that courtyard? Nobody said the front door or no one said, you know, that uh, column which I'm (coughs) celebrating. Now, that is giving us an intuition of what the timeless can be. And it gives us the intuition of the timeless for the simple reason that then I ask, even I ask those residents, they're living for centuries there. Is this an outside inside your home? Or is this an inside of your home which is showing the outside? Let us say, how do you judge this? Because if it rains heavily, the rain is coming right in the middle of my home, which I can't imagine in a Mumbai apartment. I would say there's a serious problem in a Mumbai apartment. Rain came in the middle of my home. Pouring rain. But imagine that For centuries, we found that as a fabulous way of living. That there was a plant there, it was pouring rain in the middle of my home. Uh, Maybe there was a small shrine and so I would go out into the courtyard, but it was inside my home. Now, that discovery gives us probably an intuition of the timeless. So instead of linking an idea of what is timeless, this is time bound. And then again, trying to objectify it to fit a computer technology. I would say rather that reflecting on those human experiences. Why is it that almost everyone, almost everyone, the minute we go to the seashore and look into the horizon, we feel a sense of freedom. Why is it that when a cricket match is happening and every time the batsman scores a century, he looks up into the sky, you know, he doesn't look down and say, God is there, looks up into the sky. Mm -hmm. Now, these are happening intuitively. These are happening structured by what one may call a deeper psychological structure, a deeper structure of the mind. And that when we are in touch with, we call timeless. So, Language may not be able to easily access that area, you know, and we may reduce or we may, it's like I enter a silent room and suddenly say, see how beautiful the silence is. I think we will kill it, you know. Mm. Uh, So that is how, that's the problem of language also that when we use time or timeless and because, so it is said, but like mythology is kept in the intuition zone. It is not brought into the definition zone. You know, it's kept at the intuition. It gives a suggestion of what it can be and it is left at that point. So these but we need experiences like yesterday there was a presentation I was making in in Shanghai and so what I thought I should do is make the presentation as Uh, empirical as possible. But Hmm. you cannot escape the aspect of the intangible or the spiritual or the reverential, you know, when we are discussing these things. But I try to avoid that. And there were three Chinese professors who raised a question and said, "Uh, don't you think this is actually spiritual and the existence of God? Hmm. I didn't expect that. And uh, I said, I said one can use those words, um, but when we use those words, we forget that that word is an intuition of the existence of God because it is not God, you know, but when we make the word itself as important as what it is trying to stand for, I think then the problem comes. Then we get confused. Mm. But if we realize that the word is only an indicator, you know it's like an arrow saying this way. That doesn't right. mean that is the way, you know, it is only indicating. Right. Then we will be more humble about the word we use. We will be more aware that the word is futile in front of what it stands for. Hmm. You know,
2: hmm.
1: The word is insipid in what it stands for. Hmm. And uh, because what it stands for is so vast, you know, I can use the word horizon, but that word is... When I'm actually at the shore and looking at an unknown ocean or into the galaxy and saying horizon, and that word is minuscule. In yeah. fact, I will wonder why even I use the word. You know, so <laughs> that is where I think when Frank Gehry and you know, I assume uh, they are using, they use it with that sense of intuition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I can tell you, I I had the opportunity to walk through the concert hall uh, designed by Gary in LA Hmm. and I hope to write about it. I think that what one reads about it, what one does and one actually there, it's an indescribable experience. Hmm. You know, the light coming, the sound, what is happening, almost anything we describe seems to reduce or make less the real experience of being there.
2: Hmm,
1: so the word timeless the word these are all words for providing us an intuition rather than standing
0: for something you
1: know Hmm. they are indicators and so that's how Mm -hmm. I would see it right
0: yeah it's so so fascinating and I resonate at so many levels because uh, yeah it's it's, the intuition is the right word Uh, like I can't explain it as beautifully as you can but I somehow get that and that's why I, I understand that intuition is an important piece. And the beautiful part of again Indian context is that, uh, hum, like we say, right, like, Ram hi naam hai. So it just to personify or to make it, I don't know, comprehensible probably. Uh, but otherwise, it's very very uh, sublime or yeah, it's 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 fascinating. So sir, like, obviously we can keep going on, uh, on this intangible and art, uh, insert into the history. I wanted to just come to a bit tactical questions in the context of the competition as well. Uh, so Baza, Badami is known for its like cave temples and, and cut architecture, right? Uh, any, any ideas, uh, uh, that what can, what elements can be incorporated in the storytelling and especially, uh as like an educational experience, right? Because finally museums, at least according to me, it, it's changing now with your conversation, but it helps to take the narrative forward, uh, especially to the modern world. Uh, any any ideas and thoughts around it? Like what do, what these? You know, maybe it's good that you raised this question and maybe
1: it's uh, it may help to kind of connect the pragmatic with what we see as mm. intangible and they're not two different things, they're the same things, mm. you know. And uh, again, because of words, we make it appear two different things. Now, let's say, in the life of someone like uh, I know it's can get controversial also, but let's say, in the life of someone like Gandhiji. Mm. <clears throat> Now, to talk about freedom, he says, let's take cotton and I'll weave it on a charka." Okay, for talking, self-reliance. So, suppose we did a dialogue on the notion of freedom and you know, talk of why we should be free, the inner soul, and that's one part. But as an act, it is so simple actually and profound at the same time. Mm-hmm. Take Dandi March. He what did he? He did not create a huge corporation of salt which has seven thousand branches around the world to tell the British, you know, I'm one hand of salt. He took, but see how it shook the whole idea of uh, making salt and reliance, you know, self reliance. So I think those kind of Gestures? applications, gestures or, you know, of the most pragmatic. And that's what Bada means. The most pragmatic. And if it is done in a simple, direct way, topography, the rock is there. The topography means that's how I climb, but that's how also the water flows. Like in many civilizations, when they were building on a mountain, what they used to do was they would sit and observe goats running up the hill. The minute they watch the goat running up the hill, they know that that is the best road to be made in that way. Because anything which was more steep, they'll have a problem with the road. So a lot of this comes from very simple observations. Of how to make a path to go up with a certain relative. So, in Badami, mean, that idea of topography, that idea of something above on a mountain, something below, the fact that there is a kind of a container called water, and how that water kind of collects itself every year, and that the water level is never constant. The water level keeps moving up and down. So, how do you develop a set- settlement where it can? actually relate to water which is a moving level and then in that establish certain nodes or centers, it could be a temple, it could be a shrine, it could be a Jain temple, but establish that which is little more permanent uh, and not as fluid as the water which is moving down, evaporating, so there is something which is moving, there is something which is more solid, something which is then carved out. And so it is topography, it is water, it is how the mountain can bring shade at the same time become part of a fort. It is how the settlement then comes and very, very uh, sensitively stops where the water is and then the manner in which the ghats or those steps are made on either side. So I think the present location which has been given for the Archaeological Museum is a wonderful location. Because it really flows with that topography. Mm. So it's not a flat museum that will happen. One will have to understand levels. One will have to understand flow of water. One will have to understand the different elements that already exist on the site. And then if this is situated there, what will the relationship be of that element? Which Mm. means that when that element comes in, let's say the archaeological museum, it will also inspire a certain evolution of that settlement for the future. It is not a static. thing; It is a growing thing, as you mentioned, the continuum. So it means it cannot be something that is only looking at the past and the artifact. Ideally, it will have to say that if it came there, how does the craft community staying there mm. feel our lives are have become better
0: interesting and, and on, since, <laughs> hmm. yes, no oh, sorry yes. sorry go ahead
1: no no let, i think yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no and and since the the theme is an insert into the history uh and as you mentioned in the beginning technology will play a different role right uh, we are living in this Tech world. So, any any thoughts around utilizing, say, virtual reality or or enhancing the overall visitor experience uh, with these museums? Uh, again, in the context of archaeology, right? You have any thoughts around that? I would say already several museums have begun doing it. Hmm. I mean, there's
1: also this Van Gogh Experience Museum, Correct. which is trapped. Mm-hmm. So, several museums are now doing it in very interesting ways. There's a Mm. museum in Rome which is doing it Mm. where they, through a consensus of various historians have reconstructed Rome in different phases of its history. Wow. Mm. So, 2nd century, 6th century, 14th century. Each time the city was changing and different. So, they've reconstructed it and That allows the young student or the scholar to actually go back and inhabit a 12th century city. That's the power of AI or the metaverse, that at least at the level of imagination in the virtual Mm -hmm. condition, it it can allow us to inhabit, experience, see the city. In -hmm. fact, I was told, and that has to be verified, In the reconstruction of the Notre Dame uh, church in Paris, several video games were uh, taken because those video games had mapped the the church very closely. Mm. So to see the detail, they had to actually go to a video game and come back with it. And now what is happening is that it means that the line between an archaeology museum and a video game is very thin. Mm. so one can be archaeological but it can allow for an interactive uh, video game also You know. so I think that line has to be <clears throat> rediscovered now or can be rediscovered because so much more information, awareness, conversation, discussion can now happen in a more lively, interactive way rather than a very static object with a small nameplate below, uh, I think now it can become even more uh, lively. It can come like there are some museums where if one maps the QR code as one is walking, uh, the conversation happens on what that is. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I think these are all the new possibilities. It doesn't have to be static. So one goes back with a new experience and each time one comes to that museum,
0: one gets a different experience. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Once we, once, yeah, once we accept time to be an important parameter, then everything becomes very, very dynamic. Uh, Sir, like uh, last two questions uh, is uh, we can't go without the word sustainability, especially uh, in the current time. So what role would sustainability play in the design of say, Badami archaeological museum or any museum for that matter? Uh, Um, because the whole idea of sustainability is to go lean, uh, but we are packaging and then thinking about sustainability uh, post it. So, uh, any thoughts? Because yeah, yeah, you have any thoughts?
1: Settlements, settlements like Badami and few others, or even maybe the Ahmedabad poles. and These settlements, Jaipur, they have emerged and have been designed through a natural direct response to the conditions, Hmm. energy condition, community condition, climate. The more direct it is, the more sustainable it is. Because when it is direct, what tends to happen is that uh, the energy footprint naturally is uh, much lesser than something that is over-designed, you know, in mm. the name of comfort. So, I'm not saying that it should not be done. I'm not going on a reverse of what technology is doing. But those simple gestures, north, south, east, west, movement of the sun, how water reflects, uh, the manner in which construction is made. With If we look at Badami, it looks... It is very difficult to even identify a material which was not from the site. Hmm.
2: So, hmm.
1: if one wants to imagine, it can look like they just emerged from the site. <laughs> it was not constructed. Hmm. And in rock cut monolith, that much more it is there that you not, where is the material? One has only removed material. And if you have removed material from a large rock, you have actually created material, you know. Hmm. Uh, because you've removed that. So, I think those are really lessons of sustainability that we are not running through an additive process and then creating a climatic condition, a microclimate with the water and all the uh, biodiversity there and mud used for the homes, lime used, where it is cool all the time. So, one doesn't need air conditioners, one doesn't need uh, all these other energy footprints that the modern city needs um, may not be required here. So these yeah. are all the questions that can be raised. I'm not saying that no air conditioning, no light, no, I'm not getting into that. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that these are a set of possibilities available to an architect. Mm-hmm.
0: So in fact, I will like just call out to all the students that don't listen to me now, but because I'm not an architectural <laughs> student, but all I would do is just just let it be nicely for as long as it can. And that's it, right? There's no museum. There's nothing you're building or you are, you are, I don't know. Building is also wrong word. You're creating an a setup where this piece can just stay as it is for a longer duration without really creating anything. <laughs> okay. Um, so last question is that, um, and this is a more of, a, again, just going broad. Uh, is there any other museums uh, that you have studied or being part of uh, which people can reference or something which, uh, as you said, like video games in, in Notre Dame, so uh, nationally, internationally, anything that will help?
1: There are actually quite a few museums. I'll run through them quickly. Hmm. One is uh, the CSMVS Museum in Mumbai, uh, which is not only... About the artifact, but also about a whole range of interactive uh, initiatives, you know so there's a dialogue one comes there it's like a agora you know it's like a choke where you come in so it's not only person and artifact in commission it is person mm-hmm. and person it's gathering it is conversation which becomes so the the museum becomes a context for a larger cultural dialogue you know and uh, so it's its mm-hmm. meaning changes it's not just mm-hmm. for the archival of uh, heritage elements or it becomes a heritage artifacts it mm-hmm. becomes also for dialogue to understand it better so mm-hmm. that is one part then the bau Dajil lad museum is also uh, <clears throat> structured very beautifully in terms of kind of creating this kind of a curiosity you know mm-hmm. so it's not only the artifact but the curiosity i would say the chennai museum in terms of artifacts is very rich but uh, they could look into the design display interactiveness that that's an area which they are planning now to relook at because many of the government museums at that time did not fully maybe appreciate or understand the interactive nature of a museum you know and its possibilities so it was more like there's a uh, just kept there with some title, and we are expected to go around, see it, and come. Hmm. So, but today's world, I think there's new technologies, there's interaction, there is a mobile which can have a QR code and have a conversation. So, the Patna Museum, recently done by Maki and Opolis, is also another. Uh, I think Nalanda University is again coming up with a museum which is going to be interactive and go back into the past of what a university is about. There's a museum at Lothal. Then Charles Kuria's Art and Craft mm-hmm. Museum in Delhi you know, was one uh, very interesting kind of a museum because the kind of spaces constructed also carried uh, mm-hmm. intuitions of history. So it was not just white room with uh, lighting and the spaces itself began to activate. You know, So mm-hmm. that's one way of looking at it. And then uh, the LD Indology Museum on the nature of programs they hold and the kind of research facilities they provide, you know, that was designed by architect B.V. Doshi in Ahmedabad, uh, is, is an interesting uh, point to look at. And the way in which the archive was designed or the way in which the administration was placed, the way in which dialogue happened and the way in which... The actual artifacts are displayed. I think there is a certain balance to it. And otherwise, Bharat Bhavan comes across also as a wonderful precinct of responding to topographies, you know, and uh, through a non building. So I think there are a lot, there are many options. These are just five or seven options that I am Louvre internationally, or there are many, many. And what paid does with a with the glass uh, but those are I'm not sure how well it sits in the site or not I'm just kind of raising various ways of looking at it hmm. but I think architect Moe states it uh, very well okay. in saying would this museum like to state its presence or would this museum like to subdue itself that you feel it was always there you know what we were saying always there a part of it right. so i think these are decisions that a young designer would need to take does it stand out or does it merge like the rest of badami into the landscape and respect the topography i think these are the broader questions you know so we've asked both sides it's right. for each to choose what they feel should be the response, you know, and maybe add other aspects to the program as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, beautiful. In fact, I was listening to uh, Moheser's brief uh video, and um, I, like if I was uh, participating, I would love to be like merging into the topography. Uh, it's it's very beautiful. On that note, uh, we can conclude this one. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, uh sir, for giving your time. It was really wonderful talking to you as usual. Uh, Definitely would like to uh, invite you again to speak about maybe generalist versus specialist. Uh, More of my favorite topic where I did one with Itu Chaudhary and and Lee Sarat. I think it will be a more philosophical and spiritual conversation. But thanks a lot once again for giving your time.
1: Thank you very much. Always a pleasure dialoguing with you and look forward to many more conversations. Thank you very much.
0: Amazing. Thank you. That's it. And that's it from today's GAN session. For show notes and more GAN, visit audiogan.com. And if you wish to connect with me, I am at AudioGAN Moments on Instagram. Until then, take care.